It is so good to see everybody here today. It's good to have our guest with us this morning. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Romans chapter 5. What an awesome, awesome chapter in the Word of the Lord. Wednesday night, without really realizing it, we dealt with the, the fire it takes to have peace. And uh, it is very close to having the, the kind of fire that will be in hell. That brings peace. That's the kind of fire it takes to walk with God. It's not a passive Christianity. Amen. So if you were not here, I would just encourage you to get the message. Because it will definitely light your fire, I hope. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, therefore being justified by faith. That means we have right standing or we're in a right relationship with God by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is really the verse we have been talking about for the past couple of weeks. This will be the third week. But notice it says we have peace with God doesn't say we're going to have peace or we have had peace. It says we have peace. It is a present reality. Amen. That's objective peace. That's a peace. That's the goal is to be in peace with God. If you're not in peace with God, then you're not in peace with anything. Do you understand? And that's the ultimate peace. And then there's subjective peace. And that's the way peace is manifest in your life. But there are things in your life that seek to hinder that peace. So we're going to talk about things this morning that will help you continue to walk in peace. Using peace as an acrostic. P-E-A-C-E. Okay? And we're going to get right to that. So uh, go to Isaiah 9, please, also with verse, in verse 6. Uh, the prophet Isaiah. Remember we talked about the prophets prophesied of the new age that would come when the Messiah would come. And when he came, when he comes, he would bring peace. That is the chief characteristics of people who are in a right relationship with God is peace. Major characteristics of the kingdom in the new age. So the characteristics of the new age, if you're born again, which you are part of, is peace. But it's not a passive thing. It is militant. How many of you know that... Even in history, if you look at our nation, there, there would be no peace in our country if there had not been war. So the fight is peace for peace. And it's not easy and it's not a passive thing. You've got to engage and you've got to be red hot to enter into this dimension in the kingdom of God. Alright, Isaiah 9, if you have that, say praise the Lord. I think what I need to do though to... to Back up what I just said. Let me go and let me read verse 5. Notice the connection. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise. <clears throat> and garments rolled in blood. But this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. So it talks about when you're in war. There is a lot of noise. Confused noise. And the garments are rolled in blood. So it's intense. And it's real. And in connection with that, he says, for unto us a child is born. It is going to take great warfare for verse 6 to take place. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government 
shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Peace. So he is, he is Son and He is Father at the same time. <laughs> you know, we use these terms, and I've used them before, natures. That we've got Jesus as 100% man and 100% God, and He's got dual nature. But really the term nature is not a good term. It's a Greek term. But anyway, what we have is the fullness of God in Christ. In His humanity, He's Son. In His deity, He is the Father. Okay? But the Bible tells us at the end of His order unto us, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the last of the order of God's government to us is peace. Peace. But it is not the kind of peace that you... That most people think he is. Amen. Of the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end upon the throne of David. And upon his kingdom to order it. And to establish it with judgment. And with justice or equity. From henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And we talked about it Wednesday night. The kind of zeal, the kind of fire it takes to have peace in your life. Amen. Father, we just thank you right now, God, for you are so good to us. And I am so ready, God, today to deliver this word. And I pray that your people are ready to receive it. In the name of Jesus. That they have not come here today just to be soothed and tickled, God. But they have come here today to be challenged that they might experience peace in their life. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, you may be seated. Peace, P-E-A-C-E, acrostic, peace, the first letter P, prayer. But it's kingdom prayer. It's not just prayer. What that means is this, all right, you with me here up to this point? In order for us to have peace with God and peace in our own life, then you have to have kingdom prayer in your life. Because that is your relationship to God. E is equity. Or justice or balance or fairness. That is your relationship to people. A is ascension. That is your relationship to things. C is closure. That is your relationship to your past. And E is your relationship to the future. That is your uh, relationship to eternity. Okay, got it? So you have to have all of these things right to have peace. You have to have a right relationship with God, a right relationship with people, a right relationship with, your, with things, a right relationship with your past, and a right relationship with your future. If you don't have, if any of these are out of harmony, then you don't have peace. It's impossible to walk in peace without all of these being correct. Do you understand? Okay. So the first one is kingdom prayer. Go to Matthew 16, please. How many of y'all want to walk in the peace of God? How many of you have total peace this morning in God? He has provided it, but are you walking in it? If you do, please lift your hand. I don't. 
I don't. And if you do, I'm not putting you down. I, I praise God for you, but I don't. You know why? Because I'm not really <laughs> as zealous as I need to be for these things. And the reason I'm not is because I don't see the importance of them. That's why I let them slip. And every one of us at some point let these things in, in our lives slip. Our relationship to God, our relationship to people, our relationship to things, our relationship to our past, and our relationship to the future. We let them slip. That's, and so it takes effort and it takes zeal. It takes fire in God to walk in this place. Okay, Wholeness. Wholeness. Wholeness of mind. Wholeness of body. Wholeness of spirit. Wholeness. Very few people walk in this realm. Okay, Matthew 16 and verse 19. The first one is our relationship to God in peace. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That is kingdom prayer. Binding and loosing. Kingdom prayer is this. It is recognizing that God has already finished everything. That God has already entered into His rest, His peace. Do you understand? That in the kingdom of God, that's, that's what reigns on the throne is peace. Colossians says, let the peace of God reign in your hearts. Not your trouble, but the peace of God. Okay? So, are you here today? Because Jesus has already entered into his rest, peace, that is the characteristics of the kingdom. Then we've got to understand that everything that he will do or has ever done was finished before it happened in time. He was slain from before, Revelation 13 says, from before the foundation of the world. So before the world was ever created, he was already slain. How can that be? If he wasn't slain in, in time until about 2,000 years ago, how could he be slain before the foundation of the world? Because in the mind of God, it's already done. It's already finished. In eternity, it's already finished because eternity is not limited to time. Do you understand? <laughs> so God has already finished everything. In the heavens, it's already done. In the heavens, it's already settled. The problem is, it's not settled in the earth. So that's why you and I have to pray. Because when we pray, what is already settled in the heavens takes place in the earth. See, what I want to tell you today is this, and most people pray like this. They get their little plans together, their plans. They get what they want together, and they present it to God. And they're asking God to work on their agendas. But that's not kingdom prayer. It, kingdom prayer is not getting together what I want, and getting my plans together, and then asking God to work on it for me. <laughs> Kingdom prayer is finding out what he wants and praying it until it happens in the earth. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if I'm going to pray this kind of prayer, then I've got to see what he is doing 
And I've got to hear what he's doing. Do you understand? And if he answers prayer before I ask, before I ever even ask, he's already answered it. Before you even ask, he's already got the answer. If he already has the answer and he's already made a provision, he's already made a provision for my need. If I understand that, then I can walk in peace. It doesn't matter what I'm facing. It doesn't matter what the situation is. If he's already answered before I even pray it, then I can walk in assurance and peace in my life. That no matter what I face, he's already provided. Do you understand? He's already taken care of the need. In the spirit, it's already taken care of. It's already, it is finished. In the spirit. But you've got to pray in, in a kingdom type. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Bring into alignment in this earth what God has already done in the heaven. What he's already provided for you. Now that's hard for a lot of people to understand. Because when we pray, we're praying. We get all, okay, let me see. What I want to pray about today. Mm. I write down all my needs and all my problems and all my troubles, you know. Okay, now I'm going to pray this, I'm going to pray that, I'm going to pray this, I'm going to pray that. You know what? You'd be a lot easier if you just say, okay, God, what do you want me to see? What do you want me to hear? What do you want me to pray about today? What have you already done in the heavens that I need to see come to pass in my life? Because it's already answered. And I just move into it. So even in my tribulation, Romans 5 talks about it. There's tribulation that comes. But tribulation is not God's disapproval with me. We think tribulation is God's disapproval with us or God's disappointment with us. But tribulation, according to the Word of God, is not God's disappointment or disapproval with us, although He might be. But I'm just telling you that tribulation is not, uh, you know, a, a sure thing that God is disappointed with me. Then what is tribulation? What does it tell me about God? He cares. Because he's already got a way out. So we have got to learn how to pray. Kingdom prayer. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, you've already answered the, the prayer. You've already got the provision for the need. And so I pray kingdom prayer. I demand it in the earth. I take authority over the earth, in the earth. I take dominion in the earth. And I say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we gave you a few examples of this, just touching on it last, I think it was last Sunday night. How Daniel, the word of the Lord says after 70 years that Israel is coming out of captivity. How in the world could God know that? Because it's already done. In eternity it's just as good as done he said you're gonna go into captivity it happened why because it was already done he said you're coming out in 70 years 70 exact years how could God say that because it's already done in the heavens but no Daniel began to pray at the end of that read Daniel 9 he began to pray 
at the end of that 70 year period of time praying for what God had already said he was going to do. He prayed that God would bring it to pass in the earth. Do you understand that? If God had already said he was going to do it, and God had already put the time parameters on it, then why did Daniel have to pray? Because what God has already declared in the heavens has to come into alignment in the earth. And so Daniel's got to pray in order for that to happen. God has chosen prayer. God, you don't understand though this, I don't think. God has literally limited himself to work by prayer. And if you're not working by prayer, it's not because God hasn't spoke a word over you and hasn't promised things to you or already taken care of you. The problem is God has limited himself. He chose to limit himself by prayer to bring to pass what he had spoken. So if you're not praying, then you can, that's, some people say, well, why isn't this happening for me? Why isn't anything happening for me? Because you're not praying. But I know I heard God. I know God said he was going to do this. But if you're not praying, it's not manifesting. Because prayer is what manifests in time what's already done in eternity. There is a prophecy The Azuzu revival when it broke out in the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in California in the early 1900s. There was a man in that group prophesied. And he said in the last days there would be people who praised the Lord. They would praise Him. Praise God. A God to whom they would not pray. So they would come to church and you'd see them jumping and shouting and praising and worshiping and singing. But they would never pray to the God they praised. And that is a prophecy that is coming to pass in this hour. He also said this. He said another characteristic of the last day Pentecostal movement. Is that not only would they be prayerless but praisers. They would focus on power instead of righteousness now thank God for God's power but we have lost sight of God's righteousness and because we have been made righteous we live righteous but we we're missing the focus we're missing the point here and I don't want to just be a praiser and not a not pray to the God I'm praising God wants us to pray. He wants us to seek His face. There's a reason. If you want anything to happen in your life, you're going to have to pray it in. God wants to do great and mighty things in these last days. But only people who pray kingdom prayer is going to see it. I said see it. Have you ever wondered why certain people are seeing signs, miracles, and wonders, and others are not? Why? What's the difference? God's still the same God. He's got the same power to open blind eyes and open deaf ears and cause the lame to walk here as He does in a foreign mission field. Then why is it not happening? 
It's not because God lacks power. It's because the church is not praying so that what he, <laughs> what he desires to do comes to pass in the earth. Boy, this is really hitting home to us, isn't it? They spend sometimes four to eight hours in prayer. Hours and hours and hours of prayer. And we come in late to church and want signs and miracles and wonders. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's not because God can't do it. God can do it. But we haven't prayed. We haven't aligned ourselves with the Spirit of God. You see, if every one of us that have gathered here this morning would have spent more time in prayer, including your pastor. If we would have spent more time in prayer, you would see things that would blow your mind. Because God is in this place. And if God is here, anything can happen. If God is, the problem is, we haven't been praying. And his, his heart cry, God's cry to you is pray. That's why we don't have peace. Because we're not praying. We're not in kingdom prayer. We're not seeking the will of the Lord to be done in the earth today. We're seeking our will. You see what I'm saying? So we've got it all backwards. So Daniel prayed and it came to pass. You with me? He repented and after 70 years he repented for himself and the nation. And guess what? Israel came back into the land just as God has said. So we have got to learn how to pray kingdom prayer. And in order to pray kingdom prayer, I've got to see what he's doing. I've got to hear what he's saying. And I look at you this morning, you're sort of bewildered. Which lets me know we're not understanding these things, you see. But they're very, very powerful and they'll change your life because they put you in a right relationship with God. And if your relationship with God is right, then your peace is going to be right. But if your relationship with God is not right, you will not have peace. In fact, He will take peace from you. So you will run to him and find out that he is the Prince of Peace. In this world today, people are trying to do away with the Prince of Peace. They're making them own, their own selves gods. They worship themselves and all kinds of false religions and systems that God's not in. Do you understand? There's no peace in that. You've got to have a right relationship with God. And that's what he wants for all of us. Amen. So kingdom prayer. Say, God, what do you want to do? What, what is your plan for my life, God? If I don't have peace, I'm miserable. Uh, you know, maybe number one, I'm in the will of God. Maybe number two, I'm not in the will of God. So I got to pray to God. Well, God, which is it? If I don't have peace, okay, am I in your will or am I out of your will? You know, it's, you got to get the mind of the Lord. You can't sit around and try to figure out and estimate and reason why you don't have peace. Because you'll always come to the wrong conclusion. Come on. Because if you don't have peace, it might be that you're out of the will of God. But it could be that you're right in the middle of the will of the Lord and you're in warfare. 
So you can't estimate, calculate, come up with your own figures, try to figure out and reason your way out of this. You have got to get the mind of the Lord. And if you'll get the mind of the Lord, you'll stay where he wants you to stay and you'll leave where he doesn't want you to be. Do you understand? So I've got to get my world in alignment with his. I've got to get my universe in alignment with his universe. There has to be harmony. There has to be one song, universe. This whole universe, with the exception of man, doesn't do its own thing. This whole universe, one song, and it's his song. All the stars are spinning and dancing and they're all singing. The birds are all singing his song. The animals are doing his will. The weather's doing his will. Everything in the universe is doing his will except man and demons. So we have got to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we've got obstacles that come up. That's why we've got to get the mind of the Lord. We can't calculate in our own human ability. Come on. We have got to talk to God. We've got to hear from God. Because listen, it could be demons that are coming against the church. Great warfare. But that doesn't mean that I'm out of the will of the Lord. So I've got to get to a place where I say, okay, God, what do you want to do with my life? I am so tired of trying, you know, to think, well, this is what I'd like to do with my life. And this is what I want to do with my life, you know. But has God told you to do that? Has God told you to become that? If you haven't heard God on it, then you're going to waste years of your life trying to accomplish something that God didn't even call you to And then you say, okay, God, I'm so burdened. And I'm so heavy. God, would you lift this burden off of me? And God says, no, I won't lift a burden that I didn't put on you. I'll lift a burden that I put on you. Come on. I'll help you with the burden I put on you. But I'm not going to help you with the burden you put on yourself. Mm. This is so important in these last days. We understand. So we've got to learn to walk. We've got to learn to follow the Lamb whithersoever He goeth. If you're going there, if you're going to the, Lord, you go to the cross, I'm going to the cross. Okay. Yeah. Are you going to pray, number one? Number one, are you going to, look at me. Yeah. This, this is so, this is an area that we need so desperately. See, we think we can go about performing and doing the work of the Lord without ever praying to Him. We have become so good in our talent and so good in our ability, whether it be a preacher or singers or whatever, or saints on the pew, we have become so good at walk, you know, walking, role playing. <laughs> we know how to role play, man. God's not even it, but we know how to role play. We know when to say amen. We know when to say hallelujah. We know when to jump. We know when to shout. We know that when to, inf- you know, have certain inflection with our voice when we preach. We, we know, man. We know how to sermonize. We know how to put all the points together. We know how to do all of that. 
We know how to play the part. But we don't have to play the part. We can be the manifestation of God in this earth if we'll pray. Not my will be done, but thy will be done. And the Spirit of the Lord always comes with the will of God. The Spirit of God, when He comes, He don't, he don't show up with your will. He don't show up with what you want. When the Spirit of God shows up in a place, in an individual, in a nation, or in the world, He always brings His will. That's why there's war. Because everybody wants their will. They want what they want. But when God shows up, He brings His will. So if, if my will is against His will, guess what? There's going to be clashing. There's not going to be any peace. There's going to be strife. Praise the Lord, somebody. So I've got to learn to pray. And I get, I'm just going to just put it down on the line. If you're not in there before service praying, you're not praying at home. Don't get me this stuff. Oh, I'll pray at home, Pastor. <laughs> well, good. Won't you manifest some prayer up here before church? So we don't have to try to pump you up, pump your flesh up for an hour. <laughs> well, if you would be a little nicer, says the flesh. <laughs> See, I'm not really too worried about what you think. <laughs> because I know the intensity of the warfare in this hour. You're never going to make it being passive. You're going to have to be valid for God, valid for His kingdom. Salted by fire. Having peace one with another. Praise the Lord. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. A righteous man. Availeth much. Do you get that? You're righteous. But effectual red hot prayer avails much. So boy, pray. Pray. You'll see things in your life. You know what? I'll just tell you this right now. If you talk to God, God says, you know what? You've wasted 10 years of your life doing what you're doing. Then you got to pluck out an eye and you got to cut off a hand. You got to cut off some feet. And you got to go a totally different direction. It's not easy to do. But I guarantee you're going to find peace. And that's what it's all about. Oh, God, look at all the money, you know. It's not all about money. You can have all kinds of money. You can have all kinds. You can have position. But if God is not in it, you don't have peace. And you cannot buy peace. You can be a multimillionaire and not have peace. You can have position and power and fame, but not have peace. Come on. And that's what you and I need is peace. You say, God, show me. Show me. You show me, God. I want to hear from you. You're going to know it. How can I know it? Because when I'm praying His will to be done, He'll begin to speak to me. If you really want to know His will, He's going to give you His will. If you're praying, God, show me. You keep praying. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Align the earth with what's already done in the heavens. Kingdom prayer. 
not trying to make God work on your agenda. At some point, then, then God is going <laughs> to. He will give you the desires of your heart if you delight yourself in Him. What does that mean? It doesn't mean He's going to give you everything you want. When it says, if you delight yourself also in the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. What that means is, He will put in your heart His desire. And when God puts His desire inside of you, you, you wake up in the morning thinking about it. You go to bed at night thinking about it. All week long you're thinking about it. Because if it's really God and not you, it'll never leave you. That's how I test a lot of things, even in relationship to this church and decisions that have to be made in relationship to this church. I don't just, one morning God gives me a thought. I think it's God. I think it could be me. But I wait on that and I pray over it. Come on. I bathe it in prayer. And if it's really God, it's not going to leave me. And if it's God, I don't care. If, you know, if it crosses political thinking, I don't care if it crosses the flesh. Because I know it's God. Because it never leaves you. He constantly, He's putting His desire in you. But if it's you, you know, you're just having an emotional thing then it'll be up and down. You know, one day you're in, next day you're out. But if it's God, He doesn't change in His, you know what I'm saying? Like that? Oh, yes. Praise God. I know that God would like to do a lot of things for us that has not happened. But it wasn't because God didn't promise it. It's because we haven't prayed, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come on, you with me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> so is your relationship with God right? If it's not, you don't have peace. But I pray. But do you pray kingdom prayer? Or do you pray to yourself? Because you, know, you can go to church and pray to yourself. Present everything you want, all of your agendas and everything else, and, and your purpose, and you know what I'm saying? But no, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. It's good, isn't it? I got news for you. God's will is not going to, He's not going to take you out of church. God's will is not going to violate His word. I feel like I need to divorce my wife and get married to this one. No. That was, I'm sorry to tell you, that wasn't God. Hmm. I think, you know, oh yeah, come on, are you with me here today? God's will is not going to do what a lot of people says His will is. It's really not, you know, it really wasn't God's will anyway. It was you, man. A lot of things I do, a lot of things you do is my will, not God's. But we like to say it was God because that puts some, you know, sanctification around it. Just put God on it. <laughs> Sanctifies it. You have to be careful. You might be lying on God. 
So when you pray kingdom prayer, he's not going to tell you to do something that goes contrary to his word. So if you're hearing something, it was not God. If it's contrary to this, to his word, to his will, and to his order, his government. Y'all with me here? God is awesome. Let's go to the next one. Equity. Relationship with other people. So, you know, the first one, relationship with God. Is your relationship right with God today? Are you praying kingdom prayer today? If you don't have that right, you can stop with the rest of them. You don't even have to go on to the next one. Because all of the other ones are going to be messed up if you don't have the first one right. I can't get off of this. Have you ever done something you know wasn't right? What happened to you immediately? Your peace left. Immediately, your peace left. Why? Because God's kingdom operates in the realm of peace. If there is no peace, His kingdom is not furthering in your life. Peace of God just walks out the door. No, you don't lose your salvation. But you lose your fellowship. And you lose your peace about it. Yeah, come on somebody. You're in a relationship with somebody you don't have peace about. Get out of it. But I'm going to hurt them. Get out of it. Why are y'all looking at me like this? It's the truth. So when I'm praying, I'm seeking the will of the Lord, even for some of this church. Number one, it never leaves me if it's God's will. Number two, it doesn't violate His his word. And number three, I've got peace about it. The decision. It's really not hard to know the will of God for your life. You know, we want to make it so spooky and so, you know what I mean? But it's really not that difficult. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Get in a right relationship with God. Can I tell you something? If you get in a right relationship, number one, He provided that for you. But are you walking in that? If you're walking in that and his purpose for your life his plan you have peace see some of you are struggling with decisions you know you need to make but you won't make them you know why because it's too hard for the flesh but if it violates the word of God, you can call it God. You can say God's in it. This is the way God's taking care of me. But that's not true. Is your relationship right with God? Is mine right this morning? If not, then I am miserable. Because he makes sure of it. Thank God he does. Thank God he doesn't. See, and, and so many people have never heard God this way. They've heard him through the lips of humanism and philosophy and psychology. But they've never heard God from the book. They've heard God from their religion. They've heard God from their priests. They've heard God, come on, from their systems. But they've never heard God from the book. Amen. 
And I preach to you the God in this book. Not some God that you have concocted. Not some God that you have imagined him to be. I preach the God of this Bible. He is sovereign. He's in charge. Not you. I know you think you are. (laughs) I'm in charge here. No, you're not. God is in charge. Devil thinks he's in charge. He's not in charge. God's in charge. So I've got to get that right with, with the Lord. I've got to get that relationship right. The will of God never leaves me. The will of God aligns with His Word. Come on. Praise the Lord. The will of God brings peace to my life. Amen. Equity. Go to the next letter, equity. P-E, equity, is your relationship to other people. Y'all are doing real good listening this morning. I just want to commend you for that. Amen. Y'all are just phenomenal. Equity. Equity is a word we read about in the Bible, and, and we read it, we don't even want to talk about what it means, you know. But equity is balance, it's fairness, it's justice. And equity deals with your relationship with other people. If I, my relationship, your relationship is not right with other people, which means this. What creates that problem is I judge by the flesh. Now, we must judge by the Spirit. And leadership in the church must judge, come on, people's decisions, their life, their attitudes, the sin in their life. Leadership is called by God to deal with that. Do you understand? But they are not to do it it by the flesh it has to be by the spirit so if I'm judging everybody by the flesh then what I'm come on then I, there's not balance there there's not fairness there and there's not justice there what it really is is just me sticking my nose in somebody else's business and if you're always sticking your nose into somebody else's business, you don't have no peace. Because you have become God. And see, God doesn't judge by the flesh. He judges in justice. He judges in equity. Justice, fairness. Come on. And it's always balanced. And it's right. If I'm always sticking my nose into other people's business, you know, then I don't have peace. Because I'm judging everything in everybody else's life. Man, you, you know what? People drive you crazy. You know what I'm talking about? I got no problems with me. And, and, and I'm tell you something. And then when, when I'm trying to deal with other things and, you know, people's lives and situations, if I catch myself moving in the flesh, my peace goes. But sometimes my peace goes when I'm in the Spirit. <laughs> 
But my whole point in this equity, balance, and fairness is you can't become the judge of evil thoughts. James 2 talks about it. Becoming the judge of evil thoughts. Which means you're always trying to figure out what motivated them to do what they did. You go around trying to figure out trying to figure out how they did what they did, that will drive you insane. You need to let God be God in their life. You need to let God deal with their life. You need to let God work it out in them. Because there could be a reason in God that they're acting like they're acting. If you look at it by, simply by the flesh... Then you come to the wrong conclusions. You're not fair. You're not balanced. And you're not just. And you try to play God. Well you shouldn't try to play God. You become the judge of evil thoughts. Judge their mo- you know, motives. Yeah. We don't know the reason behind everything. We don't know why people do what they do. Let's look at Malachi chapter 2. Verse, let's look at verse 5. My covenant was with him of life and peace. Speaking to his priest. Life and peace. I gave them to him for the fear wherewith he feared me and was afraid before my name. Notice this. This peace, this life, and the connection with it. Why was Levi the one that received this? Because of the fear with wherewith he feared me and was afraid before my name. Sounds like a contradiction to peace. To have fear and to be afraid. Seems like that would be the opposite of peace. But when you walk in a right relationship with God and you fear God properly, that's going to create life in you. It's going to create peace in you. Now notice. He goes on and he says this. Are you all still with me? The law of truth was in his mouth and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity. And did turn many away from iniquity. So when he dealt, when the priest dealt with people, he dealt with them in fairness and balance and justice. And because of that, many of those people turned from their iniquities. Doesn't mean he compromised. He feared. See, we talked about it. Compromise. We think compromising between two parties brings peace. But God's peace does not come by compromise between two parties. Peace only comes by purity. And because the priest understood that if people were in sin, in a wrong relationship with God, they would be in a wrong relationship with each other. And there would be no peace. No fairness, no balance, just a judgmental spirit. Conflict with each other. No unity in the house. No unity in the nation. No peace in the nation. No peace in the world. You can get all get together and have all your peace conferences you want to. But you see, you're trying to bring about peace. In the realm of humanity by human method. You can't do it. You understand? 
How many, as soon as you stick your nose in somebody else's business, all of a sudden you kind of notice something changes in you. You're, the peace just leaves you. Then why did you deal with it? Why did you get in the middle of it? Because you thought you had the ability. But see, you don't know what's going on in them. You don't know what God is doing in their life. If y'all get with me, I think that I'd have a little bit more liberty to preach. But I, think, I feel like the water hose just shuts off right here. I mean, it just goes. Phew. So you have to have a right relationship, we do, with people if we're going to have peace. Lord God, let me, if I can't preach to them, let me preach to me. I'm just, you get to a place in your life, I'm just not going to let them eat my lunch anymore, man. I'm not letting them take my peace anymore. You know, and this, just, to, just to leave it with you, you know, I'm going to leave some peace with you here. And then I'm going to take some peace too. It's a commodity. You remember, you take it or you leave it because it's already provided. But, you know, there's some people that I, that I try to pastor that I'll never be able to pastor. Okay. And they drive me insane. <laughs> Are you here? Amen. And you know what I have to do? I say, God, let me not just focus on the two or three idiots I have. <laughs> Lord. You know, that's kind of the way I talk to God. Just don't let me focus on the two or three idiots I've got. Let me focus on the majority of them because the most of them are really, you know, in love with you and really want to do your will. So I'm not going to let these two or three idiots get, take my peace. See, so you, you don't realize how many, how much just a couple, two or three people, you know what I'm talking about, can, can eat your lunch and take your peace. And, and it won't make you just want to quit, just want to just give up on the whole thing. Just get so sick and tired of dealing with people, man. Brother Timothy, I, I don't really know a whole lot about you, but I think, from what I understand, you're a teacher in, in, in a school, right? In Midland, right? The, the, the two or three that's in your class that you lose sleep over, <laughs> let me help you, okay? There's about 75% of those other people that, you know, they're, they're not the idiots, okay? So just, you know what you say, just, I'm going to take my piece right now. I'm, I'm not going to let those kids get eat my lunch I'm not going to let them do it I'm going to walk in peace why do they act like they do why 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 don't they know I'm trying to help them why you're going to drive yourself crazy and you're going to lose your peace I have no idea why people do what they do no idea don't have a clue And for me to sit around and try to figure people out will cause you to lose your peace and ultimately lose your mind. You might end up in a psycho ward somewhere. Because that's just the way people are. Honestly, I don't see how God, I don't see how God handles it. I don't see how God can put up with it unless He just operates in the realm of peace all the time. 
That's the, that's the only possible way. Is, you know, because Jesus is peace manifested. He is the grace of God. He doesn't just have peace. He is peace in himself. So let me help you. You know, your wives are saying, man, my husband, he drives me insane. He lose. If he wasn't in my life, I'd have peace. <laughs> well, you know what, honey? Maybe you're butting your nose into his business when you shouldn't be. Maybe he don't need a policeman <laughs> in his life. He sits down five minutes and you, you got your book out. You got your little tablet, you know. Have you got this done? Have you got that done? Why are you just sitting down right there? And you wonder why you don't have any peace because you're always trying to make him <laughs> what you want him to be. And really what he's trying to do to, to just to let you in on something is to get away from you so he can get some peace. <laughs> You know, he's over here and he's in the back, back yard in a corner somewhere and there's nobody around. He's just all by himself, you know. Just leave him alone. Why is he acting like he is? I can't figure him out. You go out there and you try to touch, stick your nose in it, you know. Just leave the man alone. And some of you men are starting to, you know, you've been around that woman long enough, you know, just a hallelujah. She's happy. The whole house is happy. So whatever you got to do, no matter how much money you got to spend, you are willing to do it because you want peace in the house. You know, and I'm telling you, you go to the, even in that relationship at the home, you go there and try to, what's wrong? You know what? I can't explain what's wrong. Why'd you do that? My wife always says, I don't even know why I do what I do, you know. She says, I know she teaches the ladies. She says, I don't have any idea why I do what I do. And if she don't know why she does what she does, there's no way I can figure it out. <laughs> so at some point, if we would learn just not to stick our nose in everybody's business, man, we're too complex. Just let, sometimes, you know what, don't say anything. Just let God deal with them. Let God work it out in them. Maybe God's putting some pressure on them. Maybe God's turning the heat up underneath them. Maybe God's dealing with them. Let, let God be God and you stop trying to be God and try to fix everything. I'm telling you. There's conflict in every realm, church realm, home realm, job realm, because people are busybodies. Getting in everybody's business. Hey, Pastor, can I tell you my problems? I don't want to know your problems. <laughs> Why? Because you're going to take peace from my earth. I don't want to know your problems. I am not God. You try to make me God, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm not God. I, I, see, and then you tell me all your problems, you know, and you got me in your business, and then you, 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 know, you ignore me all the time in church. Why? Why? Because he knows my business. He knows what I did. He knows how I'm acting, you know. So now you're ashamed. You're hiding the corner from me. 
there's, see, there's no peace there. I, I tell this to people all the time. If you can't win the war, then get me involved. But first try to win the war yourself. And if you find that you can't win the war, then get me involved and I'll win it for you. <laughs> How in the world do you think I can win a war you can't? You won't even try to fight. But you want me to fix it for you. You won't even try to fight. I mean, you got snakes and ticks and everything else hanging off of you. And you won't even pull them off yourself. You want me to pull them off? I don't like pulling ticks. They make me sick. Just deal with it. Deal with it. Are you understand? Some people come around you, they want to gossip and they want to talk about all this stuff. No, no, I don't have time for that. I don't want you to unload your garbage on me. I don't want it. Trying to walk in peace. Stop letting people dump garbage on you. Stop sticking your nose into their business. And you know what? We will have a lot more peace. I mean, you know, I got some news yesterday after the baby shower. It took my peace. I got livid, man. I said, oh, man, just be glad you weren't there. Hallelujah, man. And this morning I came to church and I walked in. I said, I probably need to talk to this one. I need to talk to that one, you know, and all this stuff. And all of a sudden God said, you don't do, you don't say a word to them. You don't say anything. Just look at them. They're squirming like a worm. They're miserable. They know they missed it. If you go talk to them, it's going to make them feel good. Because you jumped on them. Oh, you don't understand. You just leave them where they are. You let me deal with them. Because you don't know the reason why they do what they do. If you jump in the middle of it, then you've got a problem for yourself. Just let me deal with them. They're not in peace right now. See, so we can jump in the middle of it and play God. And then, okay, God can't work anymore. He can't work in that person anymore. He can't deal with that person anymore. Because you became God. I'm telling you, man. It will take your peace from you. So, why are y'all looking like you're not needing this? If you're not needing this, why do we have to counsel so many people. Come on. Why that pastor? Why he act like he does? Why he get... Well, you don't worry about that. You, you, man, you really go crazy. You try to figure me out. <laughs> you, you try to figure out why I do what I do and how I do what I do. You, you're going to go nuts, man. You might as well just get a hold of God for yourself. You might as well live for God yourself. Because you're, you're never going to feel this... You're never going to understand this guy. I'm, in, I'm insane. Isn't that, aren't you glad to know today that you're pastored by an insane man? <laughs> See, I've come to terms with that a long time ago, Brother Thomas. <laughs> Hallelujah. So if you just sit there, oh, why, why, why? Don't he know if he would do it this way? Don't he know? Hallelujah. No, he's a plum. He's an idiot. He don't. 
You, you don't understand what I'm trying to say. See? People are real good. Why didn't that quarterback do this? Why did he do that? That was so stupid. Do you understand what I'm saying? And they've never played the position in their life. They're not being, a, they're not being attacked on every side. That 300-pound lineman trying to pile drive them in the ground. But you know how. You know what he should have done. <laughs> but you, you, you don't lift a, you've never been in that warfare. You've never been in that position. You've never done it. You don't know nothing about it. But you see, you want to stick your nose in it. You don't know nothing about the stress. You don't know nothing about the pressure, you know. But you got all the answers. Yeah, but see, that's the problem. We don't have peace. Because we're always trying to fix everybody else. Now, I'm called to this ministry. And I'm called to preach. So I'm not talking about when leadership lays it on the church. That's my calling. But I'm talking about you individually. Why are y'all so quiet? Did you see the way she looked at me? No, I'm sorry, honey. I didn't. How did she look at you? Why don't you show me how she looked at you? And then you want me to interpret it for you. What did that mean, Pastor? Why'd she look at me like that? I have no idea. Why don't you go ask her? She don't like me. I just know she doesn't like me. I could tell. I could tell. The first time I ever saw her, I knew she didn't like me. You become the judge of evil thoughts. So you lose your peace. All week you're just fuming. You're mad. You know at somebody. And they have no idea what's going on. That pastor he don't like me. That pastor he's mad at me. Well you know what. Instead of just fuming over it all week. Why don't you just come ask me. I'll tell you yes or no. Yeah, let me help you so you don't have to try to th- wonder it. Do you understand? Because there's no way that you can just look at me and say, that pastor has bad thoughts toward me. <laughs> you have become a judge of evil thoughts. You've lost your peace. All of our mind, our soul. Man, we, we, we don't want to have the ability God is the only one. You can't figure yourself out. You can't figure your wife out. You can't figure your husband out. You can't figure your kids out. But you won't be judged. You won't jump right off in the middle of everything. You know what I'm talking about? We don't have peace. Oh, I know what I'm talking about for me. Maybe it's... So, you know, I've just got to take my peace. So yesterday, I was fuming, you know. I mean, I was fuming. And this morning, I just said, you know what, God? Speak to me. He said, just leave it alone. I said, okay, I will. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And see, some of you are wondering if it's you. (laughs) You're standing there right now. Boy, I'm going to judge Pastor's thoughts right now. I'm going to read his mind. 
You are so important in your own mind. You're a legend in your own mind. All week long, you're going through all week long, and you're thinking about how much this person hates you and how much they think about you all the time. They don't, you, you haven't even crossed their mind one time. You're a legend in your own mind. You're not quite as important as you think you are. And you've lost your peace. See? So we've got to have, we've just got to just let God be God. And only get involved in things you know is God, His, His will, His Spirit. And judge things by the Spirit and not by the flesh. So we can walk in peace. We need peace in our church. Yeah, that's right. Y'all ready for the next one? How many of y'all going to start walking in equity, balance, fairness? See, really, really, you know, there's times when we just need to, to kind of extend grace to people. Because you're not walking in their shoes right now. And there comes a time when, when something needs to be done, okay, it'll be done. But for a while, we need to extend some grace. Okay, and just let, let people get away with some things. Because, you know what? There's people let you get away with things. You understand? There's people that don't lay everything, lay every sin to your account either. If God were to mark us, who could stand? Nobody could stand. So, you know, there's just sometimes, man, I'm just going to just keep extending grace and grace and grace and grace. And I'm going to jump in the middle of it. When I have to, I will. But I'm going to stay out of it as much as I can and let God be God. Do you understand? How many of y'all are legends in your own mind? That's the one thing about, uh, you know... Pastors and, and some people who are called to preach, they think, boy, I can do it when, they, when that guy can't. Ooh, yes, you sure can. We wait till you become a pastor and then we'll talk to you then. Do you understand what I'm trying to get across to you? We don't always know why. We don't know why they do what they do. We don't know why they act like they act. We don't know why they make the decisions they make sometimes. Sometimes you just have to give it to God. Let God deal with it. I'm waiting to feel your spirit. I'm read your minds. <laughs> I'm going to do what I said you're not supposed to do. Read your mind wasn't God. You're a, you're a psychoanalyst, man. You didn't discern it. It wasn't discerning of spirits. It was suspicion. You don't have the gift of discerning of spirits. You've got the gift of suspicion. I suspect. <laughs> yeah. You go drive yourself crazy, man, suspecting. Yeah. You don't know. Just let God be God. Equity, balance, 
fairness. Give people, we use that term benefit of the doubt, but really extend some grace. Thank you, Jesus. Get a better night's sleep. You start, stop worrying about the in-laws and the outlaws and the grandmas and the grandpas. And I know what I'm talking about, man. Or somebody wants to come and gossip to you about somebody else. You don't even know their situation. You don't even know if what they're telling you is the truth. And you're going to believe it? And then have hard feelings toward them? They want you to be mad at them because they are? Why should I be mad at somebody just because you're mad at them? And lose my peace? Don't tell me. I don't want to know. I don't want to know what they did. You deal with it between you, God, and that person. And if I have to get involved, you can't win the war, then I will, all right? Praise the Lord. But I, I just, I am looking for peace in my life, man. I'm looking for peace in my life. This is the key right here. If I learn how to walk in it. I'm preaching on peace. That doesn't mean I got it all wrapped up. Yeah. You don't know the conflict that goes on. But we just have to do what the Lord tells us. We need to walk in equity. Because equity, my relationship with other people, is very, very important. Do you have anything against anybody in the church this morning? Hmm? Got quiet, didn't it? Y'all are thinking. It goes on my, them wheels spinning. Does anybody have anything against you in the church today? Do you know what I'm going to tell you honestly? In my naivety, you know, I don't think anybody is mad at me today. <laughs> I, I, really I really sincerely believe that. I don't think anybody here, you know, is mad at me. I don't believe I've got any enemies out there. Which helps me to walk in peace. If you are, don't tell me. <laughs> you and God take care of it. I don't want to know if you're mad at me. Because then I'll go to war and I'll be at war with you, man. That's just my nature, you know. You're at war with me, I'm at war with you, honey. <laughs> you know, so don't even tell me if you're at war with me. That way we can, we, I can walk in peace at least. <laughs> okay. Praise the Lord. Amen. Just, women, wives, just let him be strange. <laughs> just let him be strange. Man. Okay? Is it helping anybody here? Because then you can walk around and you got all this peace and he's over in this strange corner, you know. Just let him be strange. <laughs> or her. Ooh, boy, that's hard sometimes, isn't it, man? Oh, man. What's wrong with her, man? She... Man, it's a true statement that women think in circles and men think in a straight line. They're always thinking in a circle. I can't even get on their circle, man. I don't even know. I don't even know where this road is leading. <laughs> you know what I mean? And for me to try to figure it out, I've been married, you know, I don't know how long I've been married. <laughs> 
I've been married, you know, and, and I just don't know. I can't figure it out. I can't get on the circle, man. <laughs> so anymore, I just shake my head, you know. I just, you know, okay, whatever. She's doing the same thing to me. Yeah. Who are you talking to in there? Myself. Why you do that? Why do you talk to yourself all the time? You know, what? What is that about, man? I'm talking to God. You don't sound like you're talking to God. Sound like you're arguing with God. <laughs> I mean, that's not prayer. You know, say I'm judging the thoughts, you know. That's not prayer. <laughs> that's arguing with God. You're mad at me. You're upset about something, you know. And, and so then you judge their prayer and you, you know, all of that, man. I know I'm human, man. I, I don't like prayer. It don't sound like prayer to me. You don't talk to God like that, you know. How do you know how you're supposed to talk to God? Then the, then the Holy Ghost convicts me. You, you, you become a judge of evil thoughts. The hmm. best thing to do sometimes is stay out of it. Let's go to the next one, can we? <laughs> that one's too deep for me. <laughs> It's too complex. I have not yet arrived in that one. And that's why I'm telling you. That's why I don't have this wholeness that I'm talking about. Because there's more to it than what we understand. The next one is A, ascension. I'm going to have to hurry. I've been spending too long on this. Ascension. Before you can ascend... Be in right relationship to things. If you be risen with Him, seek those things, those things that be above ascension. If you're going to have peace, you have to have a right relationship to things. Before you can ascend, you must first descend. Which means you have to die to what you want. Say, God, what you want in my life. God put in the grave everything that is not of you. Put it in the grave. Relationship, anything, things. Okay, Ephesians 4. Let's go there. Is anybody getting anything out of this? Ephesians 4 and verse Uh, verse 8 wherefore he saith when he ascended up on high he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men now that he ascended what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth so before he could ascend high ascend he had to first what die Before you can ever go high, you've got to die. Before you can ever ascend, you first have to descend. You have to have a right relationship to things in this world. If you don't, you will not have peace. You have to die to self. If you're selfish, selfish people do not have peace. They do not have peace. The only way you can have peace is if you first die to self. 
Do you understand? Praise the Lord. Now watch. Go to Revelation chapter 6. When you look at Jesus, he descended and then he ascended far above all. The far above all, though, was first by descension and then ascension far above all. Rebound. See, when, when, when God does the work in your life of crucif- you, you crucify the flesh. You do. You're responsible. I'm responsible to crucify the flesh. You understand? Not my will, but His will be done. God put everything in the grave that you don't want from me. I'm dying to what I want. I'm dying to the self-life. And then, when you do that, that's when you'll start really living. If you lose your life for His sake, you will gain it. What is it? Life. You get your life back. See, in God, it's just, it, it doesn't make sense to us. See, we're, as people, we're trying to hold on to our life. We're in a survival mode all the time. We're trying to preserve the flesh all the time. Do you understand? But in God, dying to self and dying to the flesh brings life. But it brings true life. Ascension life. Watch. Anything that is contrary to God in your life, God will send a sword against it to take your peace. And why he does this is so that he can remove. Come on. Remove peace from your earth so you will seek the only one who can bring peace and that's the Lord. So he brings a sword and he kills those things in your life. Watch this. Revelation 6. Y'all getting the point here? You've got, to, you've got to die uh, to self. And we'll look at verse 3. And when it opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red. And power was given unto him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth. That they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. When this rider goes forth, this rider on the red horse goes forth, his purpose is to take peace from what? The earth. How does he do it? With a sword. This word sword here is the same word that was used concerning the slaying of the Lamb of God. When Jesus was crucified, he experienced the sword of death. Whenever Abraham was going to kill Isaac, his son. When he lifted that knife up and was going to kill his son. a type of the Lord Jesus Christ being crucified. That word, the, the knife that he had in his hand is the same word that is used here. Do you understand? It is the sword that brings death. It is the sword of sacrifice. Come on, are you with me here? 
So what the Lord does then, if I'm going to ascend, He understands that there has to be a killing. There has to be a slaying of the self-life. And so what He does is He rides. Jesus rides. He rides on the white horse of Revelation 6.1. He rides on the red horse. He rides on the black horse. He rides on the pale green horse. And the redemptive aspect of the book of Revelation. You understand? He is the messenger of the covenant. Rider on the white horse. He is the one with the sword in the hand. Rider on the red horse. The blood of the sacrifice. The blood of Calvary. A revelation of the cross. Deals with the self-life. And what he does with that is he takes his sword, the sword of sacrifice. And see, Jesus is the sacrifice, but there's one sacrifice yet to be made, and that's you and me. See, we don't understand that. One sacrifice yet to be made, me. (laughs) And so what God does is, he rides, Jesus rides... And he rides to take peace from my earth. When does he do that? When I'm walking contrary to his word. Matthew 10. Let's go there. Watch. Is everybody awake out there? Boy, I got to hurry. I am spending too much time here. For your sake. I'm, tr- I'm hoping you're getting this. Matthew 10.35 This is where, this is where it almost seems like a contradiction in the Word of God. Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. Well, He is the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of His kingdom and peace, there shall be no end. But here it says, think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. Say the earth. That flesh man. I am not come, I am come not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against his mother, and the daughter-in-law against his mother-in-law. And a man's foe shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So there we have relationship with people again. If you put them in front of God, you'll not have peace. Anything, any relationship that comes between you and God, then God has to send a sword to that. Not peace. He doesn't come there to bring peace. He comes to bring a sword. To sever those things that have separated you from Him. Because if you're separated from Him, you'll never have peace. So He rides into your life on a red horse, taking peace from your earth. So you will run to the Prince of Peace. If you don't have peace today, maybe because you haven't died to self yet. Maybe there's too much of you on the throne and not enough of God on the throne. Maybe your relationship with things isn't right. So God's got to come in there and sever the relationship that you have with things. So you'll have peace with the Prince of Peace you get that so he rides into our life taking peace from our earth thank God for that 
There's times when I know it's God. It's not the devil. You know, we want to walk around. We want to rebuke you, devil, in Jesus' name. We're taking my peace. You know what? It's not the devil. God has ridden into your life. And he's got a sword in his hand. And he's severing. He's doing a work of taking peace from you, earth. Because he knows anything outside of a relationship with him cannot produce it. It's only a counterfeit peace. And the Antichrist, when he comes into the world, he's going to cry, peace and safety. But when peace and safety, a false peace, he's going to uh, proclaim a false peace. When peace and safety are peace, he's going to promise peace and prosperity. When he comes, he says, when they say peace and prosperity, sudden destruction cometh. As a woman with a child. You with me? In childbirth. Birth pains. So we've got this false peace that the world offers. That the prince of peace is going to deal with with his sword. He's going to destroy the antichrist with the sword that comes out of his mouth. So an antichrist spirit that promises you prosperity. Things in this world outside of a relationship with God, Jesus is at war with that. He's at war with the counterfeit proclamation of the Antichrist, peace and safety. Do you understand? In Daniel, he talks about the Antichrist in the future when he rises to power, he will promise peace. That is one of his tactics to rise to power. I've got the ability to bring peace upon the earth. And because man and his humanism and his new age way of thinking and his anti-God and anti-prince of peace and anti-Christ nature will align himself with a pseudo-peace, a false peace, a false prosperity. But here's what I want you to see. It's not just something that's going to come. It's something that's here right now. And that flesh, that beast, that antichrist nature that is inside of us seeks peace and prosperity outside of God. Thanks be to God, He rides into my life and He severs that. And, and you know what? I want to tell you something. I'm casting some pearls here today. And I pray to God that there's no pigs in the house. Because I, I got news for you. I'm casting some pearls. And you need to understand them. Jesus rides to slay the flesh. His purpose. You look at the words in the Old Testament. When God told the people of Israel, go out and kill those people. Why did the Spirit of God tell Israel to kill certain people? Because they are type, they are people who have given themselves to the flesh. They are so demon controlled. They've got all kinds of sexual disease in them. If God doesn't wipe them out, there wouldn't be no human race. The cup of iniquity was full. But that's what he does in the Old Testament. So in the New Testament, when God's Spirit comes, He comes, and when His Spirit moves, He brings His will. And when He brings His will, He goes to war with the flesh. He kills the flesh, just like He did in the Old Testament. He now, in the New Testament, comes to mortify the deeds of the body. When you walk in the Spirit, He mortifies the deeds of the body. It's painful. 
He said, I didn't come to bring peace to the earth, to the earth realm. He said, I came to bring a sword. So he, he wants you to understand the importance of dying to the self-life. That's what brings life. That's what brings peace. Selfish people are miserable people. God knows that. So he rides forth on a red horse taking peace from our earth. Do you understand that? Amen. Give God some praise. So he said, Matthew 10, think not I'm come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. And it's in what? It's in your relationship with others. You can be in a wrong relationship negatively to people. You can be in a wrong relationship, you might say positively, in a sense, because you have made them the most important thing in your life. And you will never, come on, you'll never find peace in that man. You'll never find peace in that woman. You'll never find peace. You can't sex it up enough. You can't drug it up enough. You, you, it's just impossible. God will make sure you don't find peace in that. But that flesh is so powerful and it's so strong, it seeks peace in illegitimate, illegitimate, illegitimate locations. And God says, no, 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 no. i got to come in and i got to sever that. Do you understand? That's why he said, I'm bringing a sword, not peace. Who is it? He didn't say the Antichrist. He said, I am. I'm the one through my redemption, through my work on that cross. Amen. I deal with the flesh. The flesh must be crucified. That's all you can do with the flesh. You can't cast the flesh out. See, I can cast the demon out, no problem. But that's really not all of our problem. It's not just the demons that, you know, that torment us. You hear people all the time, I had to exercise my demons. I had to get rid of my demons. No, honey, it wasn't demons you had a problem with. It was flesh. See, we can cast the devil out of you, but you still got flesh. And the only way you deal with flesh is crucifying the flesh. The flesh wants what it wants. It'll do anything to get what it wants. But you got to live the crucified life. And that's a message that's not commonly preached today. The crucified life. Do you understand? So before you can ascend, you have to descend. Let's go over to uh, Isaiah. Forty-eight twenty-two. There is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. So if you're in a wrong relationship with things, you will not have peace. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. Listen, that's the lie of the world. It says, the more things you get, the more peace and more happiness you get. And that's a lie. It's not a lie. That's not true. That's a lie. Do you understand? And Oh, yeah, you look at me like that. Go ahead. And you, you just look at me like that. But this is the word of God I'm preaching to you. I'm not preaching myself. See, So, 
A person wants from one, they run from one relationship to another relationship to another relationship to another relationship. One geographical location to another geographical location. One job to another job to another job. They're looking for a rainbow. They're looking for the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. So, come on. There is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. Do you believe that? That's the very thing that the Antichrist spirit says brings peace. Get rid of the Prince of Peace. Do your own thing. No, I've got to die. My relationship to my thing has to die. So thank God when he rides into my life taking peace. Because then I can ascend. I can live in that life of abundance and peace. Do you understand? Live in the ascension life. Let it sink in a little bit. How many times God has rode into your life and has just, I mean, the sword has been. And you're blaming the devil. And you're rebuking the devil. And he's not anywhere around. God stepped in there and said, that's not good for you. That thing is going to destroy you. I know you want to put God on it and sanctify it. But it's going to destroy you. If you'll die to that, then you'll live unto me. That's why many times, and I'm going to go to the next one. I have to. That's why many times God will come to you and me. And I could, I could give you testimony after testimony after testimony where God stepped in and He severed something in my life and it wasn't sin. See, we think this is just about sin. We think that God is just in there severing sin. He's not just severing sin. He's, he's severing weights. <laughs> He's severing things. We've got to get in the right relationship to things. God doesn't care if you have things as long as the things don't have you. But if the things have you, then you don't have peace. Because your whole life is dominated and controlled by Him. It's all you think about is the house, the car, the clothes, the job, the money. It's all you think about. Your whole life is lived for that, only that. And so you're wrong in that area because idolatry has stepped in your life. And you, just because you're not bowing down to an image, you don't want to call it idolatry. But anything that comes between you and God that becomes the focal point of your life, that becomes the dominating force in your life, the thing that you live for, is if it's not Jesus, it's an idol. It can be my children. Come on, listen. Oh, yeah, okay, I'll say it. For a man, it can be the body of a woman. We start worshiping them, man. Come on, are you with me here? Worship, man. I mean, it's not just a natural attraction, but it becomes a, a worship. Maybe, that, maybe it's that for you. Maybe it's something else for you. Maybe it's school, your education. That's all you think about. That's all you focus on. And I've told people, I don't know how many times, it is not your answer to your future. 
if you're looking at it to be the answer for your future, you're looking at the wrong thing. God is your answer. Nothing wrong with education. But if you look at education to be the thing that's going to get you where you want to go, you misunderstand. Because you can get all kinds of degrees and never get a job. Because your education doesn't open a door for you. People think it does. And they give the education credit for it. Maybe in certain realms of the earth realm it does in certain ways. But for the people of God, that is not the thing that should be our focus. It's God. Come on. Rightly related to things. Not even sin. Not even sin. Just waits. Where's your priority today? If your priority, if it's not God, His kingdom, and the house of the Lord, you don't have peace. If, your, if our priorities are in things. See, and I, listen to me very carefully here, and I'm not trying to create an issue here, a problem, but I'm just telling you that I'm a little concerned that I notice that we've got our kids in all kinds of sports and stuff at school, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with the sports. But if that becomes your focus... To the point that you neglect God. Come on. You are miserable. You, have, you are training your children. To be focused on the wrong thing. If you're not careful. Now it's okay. We're going to have fun with this. It's alright. You know to have a little fun with this. That's okay. But that's not the big deal. You know. Jesus is. God is. His church is the big deal here. Not this football game. Whether or not you won or lost it. Doesn't make any difference really in it. It's just a thing in life. But we get so busy doing the things that we forget God is church, prayer, and everything else. And we've got time to do everything else but the things of God. And God will step in your life and He'll sever that. How will He do that? Because He'll take peace from your life. People get their kids in everything, man. They got them in everything. Everything under the sun. You know? What about God? What about His church? Are you an example to them? Are you, do you, they see the priority in your life? It's God, His house. Do they see that? What do they see in my life? What is important to me? And things have to be dead to me. Do you understand? Because when you get to that place in the spirit, then God can bless your life with things. Because he knows he wouldn't destroy you if he gave it to you. But there's some people, they'll never be wealthy. You know why? Because God knows that if they became wealthy, they would forget him. You know what? Sometimes you need to praise God. If you're poor, you know what? You just need to praise God, I'm poor. No, you don't understand. It's not a good thing to be poor. But I'm just saying, if that keeps you saved, it's harder for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Things. People become dependent on their mind, their education, their wealth, their power, their influence, their position. And they're going to, I'm going to tell you, And it might not happen overnight, but you give it a year or two, five, ten years down the road and see who wins. See who wins. I'm not talking about today. 
I'm talking about a year from now. I'm talking about five years. I'm talking about ten years. Where will you be? Where will your family be ten years down the road? If you are not rightly related to things, you have no peace. Thank God for that. I'm just going to just give it to you just the way I feel it, you know, because I live with you and I'm not preaching down to you and I'm not judgmental. Hey, I'm guilty too. We can walk in the store and we can grab something. Boy, they're going to make me happy, you know. I remember one time I walked out of the store. We had a comforter for our bed. I, we spent over $100 for that crazy thing, you know. Walked out the door, got in the car, took it all the way home. Was so sick. I mean, we were just, oh, so miserable, you know. I, look, I looked at Christine. She looked at me. She said, let's take it back. I said, let's do. Oh, we dropped. We went back and we dropped that in the store. We got a refund. We walked out and we got our peace back. Hallelujah. We left our peace in the store. Got a comforter. Took the comforter back, got our peace back. Hallelujah. Left the comforter and got our peace back. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I tell you, I am concerned about me. I'm concerned about you. Because we are so debt ridden. Things. We are so debt loaded. That we can't even take an offering. Did you hear what I said? We, we got to squeeze and skirmish and, and even go into debt to give to church. Because there's nothing left over. There's no abundance. We've spent every dime we've got. So now we have to borrow to give to God. Why? Why is that? Because we have got so much debt load. Because we're not rightly related Things. Do you understand? I'm not putting you down. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. That's not my purpose today. I'm just telling you that's where we are. We are trying to spend our way into prosperity. You can't spend your way into prosperity. <laughs> Everybody here? Amen. And it's all out there, isn't it? All these things and all these cards. Zero percent. For ten days. And you run out, man. You got, oh, look. I got good credit. Look, $10,000 credit card. And you go out there and load that baby up. And you got zero percent for ten days. And then they hit you with 25 after that. And you're paying the interest on the thing for 20 years. I'm not trying to put you down. I'm just telling you. We've got somehow we have to start changing our relationship to things. And maybe God is right in our life in this area. Taking some peace from us and shaking us up just a little bit. And telling us to get prepared. Because what if you lose that job tomorrow? What if she loses that job tomorrow? You lose house, you lose cars, you lose everything you got to bankruptcy. And they're making it harder now for bankrupt bankruptcy and if you're a Christian, I believe if you're in bankruptcy, you should pay your debt anyway. Unless the grace of God steps in there and gives you a jubilee. This <laughs> forgives your debt, you know. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, I'm just telling you, and especially in America. Hmm. Hello. 
That's why there's a lot of divorce. If it's not sexual things, then it's money. Those are the two greatest reasons for divorce. Sex problems, sexual problems are money problems. Why? Things have become our God. And we won't admit it. We won't shout and run when I'm preaching like this. Because we're all guilty. But we can't keep going the direction we're going. Something going to break. You can prop it up, and, you know. Whew. Yeah, see now, y'all. <laughs> oh, Lord. I'm not trying to take peace from your earth. But you know, can you feel it lift? When we talk about these things, can you feel it? Just It feels good, doesn't it? Just to, just to see it for what it is. is good dying to things our relationship to things if we if we're right with that then we'll just we'll fly in God man God says more about your wallet than he does about hell and a lot of people they, you know that's that word in the church money and sex those two things you're not supposed to talk about that in a church <laughs> don't talk about sex or don't talk about money in the church but money, Jesus talked about money more than he did eternity. Because money really is the indicator of your spiritual level. Brother Obed prayed it this morning. If we sow sparely, we shall reap sparely. If we sow, sow bountifully, we shall reap bountifully. But that's not just material. That is peace. It's in the spirit. It's a satisfaction. It's a wholeness that comes with it. Amen? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I wish he would go on. <laughs> I'm losing my peace. She would go on. <laughs> you know, if this thing keeps coming up in your life, why do you ignore it? I'm not saying I preach about it all the time. I'm just saying if it keeps coming up in your life, why do you keep ignoring it? You ignore it to your own destruction. <laughs> Financial suicide. Mm, give God some praise. Thank God when he rides into my life and takes peace from my earth. Hmm. Priorities aren't right, pastor, preacher, son. Priorities aren't right. Look at them. That's why you don't have peace. But in the wrong direction. You with me here? All the wrong places. It's quiet in here. I pray that you think about it. Think about it. Think about where you are right now. What happens if tomorrow you lose your job? Can you pay your bills? If you lose it for a week, can you pay the bill? Can you pay the mortgage payment? Can you pay the car payment? If you can't, you're overextended. Man, it's not a money problem. It's a wisdom problem. You understand? Well, that's wisdom. 
Prioritizing comes from having wisdom. It's not a money problem. It's a wisdom problem. Do you believe it? All problems are wisdom problems. <laughs> Brother Andy, I'm just having so much fun up here being by myself today. So peaceful up here. <laughs> Quiet. Nobody's up here with me. <laughs> Everybody has distanced themselves way over there. <laughs> See, everything has to, has to come from, from a place of, of death in the kingdom of God before you can really live. Do you understand? Let me, let me touch on this. People up here that, that are up here, if they're up here just to display talent, dangerous. Extremely dangerous. Dangerous to themselves and dangerous to the body. Because if they're up here to display their talents and they haven't died yet, then they will be lifted up in pride. That's why the Bible says, the Lord says, Suffer not a novice to teach, lest he be, lifting up, lest he be lifted up in pride and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Okay? It's very dangerous to stand on this platform. It's very dangerous to stand behind this pulpit. It's very dangerous to sing on this platform if you're not dead. Because then all you're doing is for you to glorify self. Instead of consecrating that gift to God and letting God kill that and raising it up in His power. You understand? If, if you haven't taken that gift to the cross, I remember Brother Kilgore said this a long time ago. He said there was a very powerful young man that was rising up in the ranks of Pentecost. Very powerful preacher. And they asked Brother Kilgore about him later on. I think it was about a year or so later. He said, uh, what about so-and-so? And, -so? and uh, Brother Kilgore said he didn't have a cross in his life. What does that mean? I don't altogether know. But evidently he fell somewhere. He fell somewhere. Now, it is important not to just, you know, have the talent. Not just to be up here on the platform and trying to serve God, you know. And have good intentions. I'm not questioning your intention on it. Do you understand? I'm not questioning your motive. I'm not questioning your intention. But you have to have a relationship in you of dying to self. So that... It don't ever get a hold of you. That, that if you're asked to be set, you know, if we set you on a pew, just, just to set you on a pew for a while, and let somebody else do what you're doing, how would you respond? If you lose your peace and got all mad about it, all irate, and leave the church and go across town, where, where they will immediately put you on the platform, Immediately. Do you understand? Then you haven't died. It's about self. 
And when you run across town, whether it be across that way, that way, that way, wherever. <laughs> when you run across town after you've been asked to sit on the pew, when you do that, we know what it was about. It wasn't about your consecration to God in the church. It was about you. It's about you. And so you're full of pride. Boy, you, don't, you have no idea how dangerous that is. But it happens all the time in the church world. That's why there's a lack of peace. Because there's not enough death behind this pulpit. This one. I'm not dead. You know, I say I'm a dead man, but I'm not as dead as I need to be. And there's a lot of people singing up here that, you know, there's a lot of people in the pew that could be singing up here that aren't singing up here. Tremendous talent. You know why they're not up here? Because they're not dead to self. Praise the Lord. And if they are dead to self, they may be set down just to test. To test them to see if they are worthy of the job. And if, if that ever happens to you, you can sit down and you say, whatever, it doesn't really matter anyway. It's God's. And if He wants to use it, praise the Lord. If He doesn't want to use it, praise the Lord. Amen. If you can sit down with that, with that right attitude, then you know what? You have descended first and then you will be exalted. Humble yourself and you will be exalted. Exalt yourself and you will be humbled. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Does that help anybody out there? Well, I don't know why they asked so-and-so to sing. She can't carry a tune in a bucket. Don't they know? Don't they have ears to hear? Lord God, let them have ears to hear that they may hear. Let them have eyes to see that they may see. <laughs> we can see and we can hear, honey, just as good as you can. Yeah. Problem is that person <laughs> is rightly submitted to the Lord, to the leadership in the house. Come on. They understand the body. Yes, Lord. And if you ever die, when you get up here, when you die, there's going to be an anointing on you that is so powerful, it'll flow out into those pews, causing people to be lifted above their problems, lifted above their situations. Because there's something about anointing that goes way beyond talent. But before it can ascend far above all, it has to descend. Do you understand? Relationship to things. This is good, isn't it? How many of y'all love the Lord still? I love God, you know. They say, I love God. Well, He's number one in my life. Oh, yeah, we'll see. Really, it's, it's <laughs> be honest, it's probably you number one. <laughs> I'm number one man. I know you don't like this, honey. But let me, let me just tell you something. I have to qualify. I don't have to qualify myself, you know, to be your pastor. But, you know, we've been through some things in our life, man. 
And, and we have kept on and kept on and kept on and kept on in the time of death and the time of life. And the, I'm talking about all kinds of things. Do you understand? And somebody asked me one time, they said, well, why do a pastor or preachers have to go through so much to be used? They got to descend before they can be used. They got, God's got to kill them. Do you understand that? God's got to kill that, that talent in you and raise it up in power. Amen? Got to be dead to it. You get, a, you get placed in an office by uh, the gift in the house. You get placed in that position. At all, then you walk around, I own it. <laughs> I'm called to do this. No, you're not called. You're placed. <laughs> Lord, do I need to repeat myself? I think I will because they didn't put it on CD. You know, some people think because they, they were asked to teach first grade that they're called to teach first grade. No, you were just placed there by the gift in the house. And if you've been placed, that means you can be displaced and you can be replaced and you can be misplaced. <laughs> what happened to her? Don't know, misplaced her. <laughs> But, and see, if you're not careful, when you're placed there, you think that you're called there. No, you were placed there. And if you were placed there, then you can be taken out of that place. And if you get an attitude about that, you know, and you can justify that attitude by saying, I'm called. You've swallowed the lie of the devil, hook, hook line, and sinker. Are you with me? Hey. They, they can't do that to me. Don't they know who I am? Oh, yeah, we can really tell, you know. When you left, we really had a big hole. <laughs> do you understand? But see, we misunderstand God's placement by the gift in the house. You are, you are placed in those things to... Not so much called there, but placed there. To minister to the gift in the house. So if God ever wants to, He can say, no, I want you here now. I want you there now. And if, if you've got that spirit, you know, that hasn't, you haven't died yet. Then it's about you. You own that. And then now you own the pastor. Because anytime He wants to make, anytime he wants to make a change about that placement, now you've got an attitude. And you justify yourself in that attitude because, anyway, I'm called. But see, we don't understand the order of God. And because we're not descending first, then ascending, we have no peace in relationship to things. Offices in the church, placement in the church, what their purpose is. Now maybe you understand. Hallelujah. So at any time God wants to, He can put you on the chair. Anytime he wants to, he can take you off the chair. Amen. And if, you're, if you learn how to have peace about that, you're ready to be used. Yes. But I'm called to lead service. So is Jeremiah. Don't get so full of self-importance because you can lead service. You can see. Come on. It's about God. It's about His church. 
He'll expose, uncover hidden agendas. Yes, thank God. But, you know, I want God to use every one of you. So I believe that God is a qualifying God. And, and you know, I want Him to use you. Praise the Lord. If everybody in here is called to preach, you know what? I'll let you all preach. And I'll sit down and listen to you. That's the truth. I mean that sincerely. Hallelujah. I told a brother earlier, I said, now get ready because I feel the water stirring. You're probably going to preach tonight. I'm not real sure, but I think, you know, just get ready because I feel the water stirring. And, and you know what? You know why I sort of sense the water stirring is because what I feel like I might preach, if I were to preach, I'd probably beat you up. <laughs> and, and I don't want to beat you up. So I'm going to let somebody edify, and I'm going to just let myself get over some stuff, okay? <laughs> you understand? <laughs> uh, you know, I love you enough to know when I don't need to be behind that pulpit, man. <laughs> and, and maybe tonight's one of them. Hallelujah, okay? Because I don't beat you up. I don't, I'm wounded. I don't want you to be wounded. Amen. Okay, so praise the Lord. But it'll be good. <clears throat> Hallelujah. God's awesome, isn't he? Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm having a good time. I'm just full of peace tonight, today. Hell yes. Next one. Will y'all stay with me for a few more? C, closure. You have to be rightly related to God, right related to people, and right related to things. You have to be right related to your past. If you're constantly living in your past failure, you'll never have peace. Revelation 3. What's this? I hope I'm just not being long-winded here. More like a floodlight than a laser beam, you know? I like laser beam preaching. Incinerate everything it is, you know. It's a floodlight this morning. Revelation 3. Y'all stay with me. Just um, These are going to be quick. 3-7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write these things, saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. Closure. You have to have the ability, number one, and, and this is not automatic. It comes with repentance. You must repent or you cannot have closure on sin. Repentance is turning your back on sin and turning to God. Saying no to the sin, yes to God. Repentance. It's a change of action. Change of desire. Change of direction. Repentance. If you genuinely repent of something, then, it's, then close the door on it. Don't stop bringing up the failures of your past constantly because if you do that then you have no peace in relationship to the past some of you need to you need to get some closure if it's not a failure if it's not sin maybe it's maybe it's just something that you know just you drag around with you that weighs you down you need to close the door you need to let God shut the door and nobody open it again no, God's dealt with that in me. I've repented of that. God has dealt with that. You can't talk to me about that anymore because that's over with. The door's closed on it. A lot of people don't have peace in the present because they're still living in the past. 
some past offense they offended me some past offense some past failure some past sin they live there and it robs their peace from them you understand there's a lot of things there's a lot of people who are disqualified by men and rightly so but it doesn't mean they're disqualified by God God can close the door to the past. Thank God for that. See, I can beat myself up. You know what I'm talking about? About something I said or something I did or something. Even the way I preached from this pulpit. Can go home and just beat myself up. I'm, I'm telling you, I go through days after I preach. And these things that I've said come back up in my spirit. And I groan, I sigh over them. If I let them, they will affect the next service. So at some point, okay, let's deal with that. But let's close the door on it. Close the door. If I failed, close the door on it. You understand? Go to Isaiah. I I'm, I'm promise you I'm almost done. Thanks for... verse uh, Chapter 38, verse 17. Watch this. Behold, for peace, for peace, I had great bitterness. Watch. Why was this person walking in bitterness instead of peace? Because at that point, they were not closing the door on the past. But watch, they get a revelation of God. How God deals with the past. How God closes the door on the past. When they get that revelation, it says, But thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption. For thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. He, so they were walking in the past. Their sin, their failure. And instead of having peace, they had, they're full of bitterness. But they got a revelation of God. And he said, you know what? You took all my sin and put it back here between these shoulder blades. Your shoulder blades, which means you can't even see it, God. You can't even see that failure. You can't even see that sin. Because I so thoroughly repented. And you so thoroughly dealt with that past. That you completely closed the door on it. To the point it can't even be seen. And there's one place on your body you have never seen. And that's between your shoulder blades. You have not. Oh yes I have pastor. I got my mirror out like this. <laughs> that was a reflection. You have never seen your, your back. If you have, you're a contortionist, man. You can turn your head and bend it down. You've seen reflections of your back, but you have never seen your back. So when God takes your past, He takes your failure, and He takes your sin, and He puts it between His shoulder blades, it cannot be seen completely close if you have repented of it. And if you keep bringing it up, God says, what are you talking about? 
I'm talking, I mean that sincerely. God doesn't even know what you're talking about because he has so closed the door on that past that when you keep bringing it up, he doesn't know what you're talking about. He put it between the shoulder blades. Cannot see it. You have never seen it. So you have got to recognize that when you repent and confess your sin, not keep carrying it with you, but your little attitude on your shoulder, your little pride, your little ego, and all that stuff that goes on with that, your rights, you know. He, he, no, we're not talking about that. We're talking about genuine repentance. And God puts it behind it. He don't even know about it. It's done. It's over with. You understand? You know, and it, it would be good sometimes for you to get up and confess publicly that I, you know, God, I, there was something I did in public. You confess in public what you did in public. If you did it, did it in secret, you don't need to confess in public because everybody in the church is going, what are they talking about, man? But if you did it in public, you need to confess it in public. If you did it in private, then you need to confess it privately to God and maybe person that needs to know. Once that's done, don't bring it up anymore. It's a dead issue. The door's closed. Let's go on, honey. Yeah, we still got to deal with the consequence. David repented of his sin with Bathsheba and the murder of Uriah. But there was still consequence for that sin. But God forgave him. But he still had consequence. So we're not talking about you're alleviated from, from the responsibility of your decision right, amen. or the consequence. Okay, what we're talking about is the sin's gone. So let's don't, let's don't bring that up anymore. Let's just let's, uh, go through the consequence if there's any. And let's remember that God is good and He has closed the door on that. Just because I missed one plane to Chicago don't mean I can't catch the next one out and still get to my destination. A lot of us have missed the plane. Doesn't mean we'll never get to Chicago. Maybe I'm called to Chicago. <laughs> you know the point. You understand? How many of y'all missed your plane? Aren't you glad there's another one you can catch? <laughs> now, I'm going to tell you something, though. Pretty soon, they're going to run out of planes in the day for some of you, man. You've been missing one flight after another. Pretty soon, they're going to say, sorry, sir, there's no more flights. <laughs> Aren't you glad God puts it for peace, bitterness? But then he got a revelation that God cast all his sins behind thy back. Let's look at another scripture here. In Psalm 103, verse 12. Hallelujah. Y'all getting tired and hungry? <laughs> y'all, what are y'all worried about? <laughs> You're not going to die. What are you talking about? This is your fast day anyway. We're fasting for Taiwan. So I, I could keep you all day, no problem. Psalm 103 and verse 12. <clears throat> Closure. Got to close the door to the past. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. It doesn't say as far as the north is to the south. Are from the south. It says as far as the east is to the west. As far as the east is from the west. So far hath he removed our transgressions. Listen. If you travel north 
Right now, you start traveling north. At some point, you keep traveling north, it will turn into south. Okay? Do you understand that? But if you start traveling east, just look at the globe. You start traveling east around the globe, there is never a time when east turns into west. They are, it, they are infinitely separated from each other. East never becomes west. I think I'm going, yeah, that's west. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you travel west, west never becomes east. I don't know. <laughs> if you travel east, east never becomes west. They are infinitely separated from each other. And that is how far God separates His sin from us. Infinitely separates them from us. You tell, that's the way God closes the door. He don't just say from the north to the south. Because at some point, if I'm traveling north, it'll turn into south. Because you got the north pole and the south pole. But east never turns into west. And west never turns into east. They are infinitely separated from each other. That's closure. And if God has done that, then I've got to close the door on the past. Because if I don't, I keep living in the failure and the bitterness and the sin of my past. No, get up. God's got a future for you. God doesn't determine your present or your future by looking at your past. He don't check your past out to determine your future. As long as you've dealt with it. You think he, he goes and, and questions your... Let me go question his past before we can determine his... No, 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 no. God wants you to close the door on some stuff because they're hindering you. They're hindering you. And certain things you can do does do disqualify you from certain things you can do in the church. All right? But I'm talking about the sin being removed. Give God some praise. Let's look at one more. Y'all want to look at one more? <clears throat> These are all famous and familiar scriptures concerning closure. Micah. Let's go to Micah. Micah chapter 7 and, seven and verse 19. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. And thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. What God does with our sins is he casts them into the depths of the sea. Amen. On the day of atonement, Orthodox Jewish people literally to this very day go to a place of running water on the day of atonement. And they will pull their pockets out. Symbolically emptying their life of sin into that river. Based on that scripture. You with me? Let me read it again. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. And thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. That's why they do it. Symbolically, he's casting all my sin in the depth of the sea. You know what is interesting about that? The deeper you go. The less you can see it. 
Because there comes a time when you get deep enough, it's so dark, light cannot penetrate it. So God says, I take your sin and I submerge them into not just the, the water, but in the depths of the sea where light can't even permeate it. Where light can't even penetrate it. Light can't even find it. That's closure. Some of you need to confess your sin, put it under the blood, and go on with God. I'm talking about really going with God. <laughs> and I want to tell you something. People who have failed, people who have backslidden and come back to God, and people who have failed in the kingdom of God, a lot of times are used by God greater than anybody else because they understand their, their failure. They understand their shortcoming. They don't, have a, they don't have no place to have pride. How can you carry pride with you when you messed it all up? You know you, know you have no right now. Do you understand? That's why when a lot of them come back into church, they're the best church people. They're the best saints of God in the kingdom. Thank God. But they have to learn to close the door on the past. They have to understand that God has. And nothing else, God can take it and turn it into a ministry. Yes. When I hear about certain trouble situations, you know what? I think about people in the church. That, that one right there can minister to that one. Because God has ra have raised them from that situation and closed the door on that. And though they, that saint can help this person in trouble because of God's grace. Aren't you thankful today? There is none of us that deserve to be used by God. <laughs> If God only used perfect people, nothing would get done because there's nobody. Do you understand? But God can use people who have thoroughly repented and closed the door on that sin and closed the door on that past and they're not flirting with it, playing with it, trying to bring it back. That's why I ask people a lot of times before, if they fail at falling, I'll ask them before I put them back being used in the church, are you done with it? Are you done with it? Have you closed the door? Are you through with it? And if they tell me, no, pastor, I'm still, okay, deal with it. Because I want to get you back involved. I want you serving. I want you doing the things of God. But you've got to deal with that. Can't be, keep flirting with it. You know what I'm saying? They say, yes, pastor, I've dealt with it. Doors closed, sealed tight, broken it off. Okay. Come on back on the platform. Sing again. So I know God has no problem with that. But have you repented? Have you closed the door? Have you dealt with it? Do you understand? All right. That's the goodness of God. Closure. How many of y'all have doors that, that uh, you have closed? I mean, they are, they are closed. They are, they're not just closed. They... You know, you tried to close it one time, it opened back up. So this time you slammed the door. And then you nailed it. And you threw your hammer away. So you couldn't get the nails back out of there. It's what you got to do. You got to be radical with, with it. And the last one is E, eternity. And it's easy. Because if you get your relationship with God right, kingdom prayer, you get your relationship with people right equity you get 
your relation right, relationship right with things, ascension, dissension and ascension, and then you get things right in the area of your past. Relationship with your past is right. Then E, eternity, it'll take care of itself. If you have all those others correct, you don't have to worry about where you're going. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to lose sleep at night. Oh, am I going to go to heaven? I wonder if I'm saved. If you got those first four right, where you're heading is automatic. Hallelujah. Eternity. If any of those are off, you'll have no peace. How many of y'all are full of peace this morning? How many got zeal? Mm, you get any more zeal, boy? Heaven help the church. <laughs> Woo, boy, hallelujah. That was some powerful zeal coming back at me, man. I'm telling you. I love y'all. When you're going through tribulation, don't think it's God's disappointment or disapproval. That's his care. Are you with me? Get on fire. Stop making excuses. Amen. Now give yourself license. Let's stand. Lord Jesus, we thank you today, God, for your awesome word. We ask God that you'd have your way in our lives. Father God, if we would learn to walk in peace, then your kingdom would be manifest in our lives. Everybody in this church is looking for peace. Pressure, stress, conflict, war. I thank you today that you're at war with the sin that's in my life, at war with the flesh, at war with demon powers that would destroy me. Have your way in my life, Lord. Let your will be done. Let us be rightly related to each other, forgiving one another, loving one another, having unity, God. Walking in peace, not walking in intimidation and guilt, fear, just let us fear you. Thank you God for this peace which passes all understanding, this peace that takes me beyond emotion, passes understanding, keeping my heart. I'm thankful today, Lord, that I can take that peace or I can leave that peace. I choose today to take peace. Thank you for the peace you provided, God. Peace between you and I. Let me walk in peace with the brothers and sisters in the church. Let me be right related to things. Let me be right related to my past. And right related to my future, 
eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. We'll see you tonight. Remember, 530 is prayer. prayer, And 6 o'clock is church. Again, it's good to have Becky Gonzalez with us this morning. Amen. This is uh, Sister Michelle's mother. And she's glad that she came today. Amen. Love you. We'll see you tonight.